so I'm sitting here at my uh, upstairs, quote-unquote, studio that I've created. turns out that the basement's been very good to me, and it still is. And that's where I have do recording when I'm, like, recording with other people remotely because I don't have the same setup upstairs here. But um, I got a new microphone. Stupid, expensive microphone. I am speaking to you on this microphone right now. It is called a Neumann BCM 750, and it is a dynamic mic, which means it's a little different than the other mics that I use. I use um, I use condenser mics, broad um, road broadcasters. They're condenser mics. Condenser mics pick up a lot more. Like if you're in the middle of a room, a condenser mic picks up a lot of all of the sound. Dynamic mics you have to speak directly into, supposedly, and this is a dynamic mic which is incredibly fascinating to the listeners, I'm sure. But it was very exciting. It's the first dynamic mic I've used. I use what's called a mic processor, which allows you to really control the input really closely. So I don't, my studio isn't really a studio. It's a bedroom and I've got a bunch of like noise dampening stuff around to keep it so it's not too echoey. But I'm enjoying being upstairs because it's not quite so cold, (laughs) basically. I have, uh, downstairs I have a heater under the table that so I can keep myself somewhat warm in the wintertime. So here you have it. You're you're sitting in my new quote-unquote studio with my new microphone. I have no idea if it sounds better, worse, or different, to tell you the truth. Uh, I'm enjoying it, though. It's sort of my Christmas gift to me. So um, I haven't been recording AME stuff lately, and I apologize. Uh, we, As you can tell, we're kind of keeping ourselves pretty busy with the dental hack stuff. But I, like, I've gone back and listened to some of the episodes I've done. This is actually really a, f- a fun podcast, and it's like totally different and, and incredibly self-indulgent when you think about it. To think that people would care enough about a podcast where I'm just like talking to people or talking to myself or whatever. So anyhow, there you have it. It's, it's fun. Um, it is literally like the first day of Christmas break, uh, for my kids. I've been off. I, I wrapped it up for the year on Thursday. So what, that would be the 20th. We had our, uh, Christmas party that evening. It's the first time I've done that ever. Um, I know I was talking about that earlier, but on the dental hacks, but it does feel weird to me that it's <laughs> the first time I've ever done that. So many people are like, what are you talking about? Of course you take Christmas break off. I never really have. And, uh, I used to take a lot more insurances than I do now, but we still, even most of my patients have insurance, even if I'm not a participating insurance provider. So they all want to, they want to use their benefits. I'm always so torn on that. It's like, I'm supposed to hate dental insurance because they are terrible to dentists yet. Can you, can you like hate your patients for wanting to use the benefits that they get from their, from their work? I mean, I'm so torn on the whole thing, you know? Uh, it doesn't really allow for comprehensive care yet. You can't feel, you can't, you know, patients, it's a benefit that they get. It's part of their paycheck and they want to use it. I'm I'm always sort of torn on that stuff. I think in any case, I took it off this year. Uh, I'm sure I'll hear about it next year because there'll be people that decided that, you know, the two days before New Year's was the exact right time that they wanted to have dentistry done, but whatever. So I don't quite know what I'm going to do with all this time, honestly. It's it's kind of crazy. The other thing that's going on is is we're about a month out from Voices of Dentistry. There's a lot of the stu- the planning stuff that we have to do still. So we're we're kind of in the midst of all the all the getting stuff together. It's going to be spectacular. I'll talk about that a little bit later too. Uh, one of the goals that I actually thought about for myself, I can't say that I'm going to actually execute this, but it's 
a project I've been talking about doing forever. Like there's this piece of software. I may have talked, I've talked about it on a podcast. I don't know if it was on the Alan Mead experience or if it was the dental hacks, but it's a piece of software that is just brilliant. It's called text expander. And all it is, is basically it, it's an auto typing program. So if you, if you trigger something, it'll, it'll type out a, a paragraph or it'll type out all these different cues for you and all this stuff. It's really cool. And in my mind, I'm like, this would be the perfect way to do dental charting notes. It, it can, for all the variables, you know, how much anesthetic you used, what material you used, whatever, it could give you like, you know, pop-up menus and stuff like that, but it could generate a really well-written chart note with the least amount of effort. And I know that it would work. It's, it's an awesome piece of software, but I just haven't sat down to do it. And so, you know, my dad literally asked me, so what are you going to do with all this time? Because like, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be home. We got the kids, you know, and I, I'm going to feel horrible if all they do is sit around and play on their iPads. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow, I, so I thought about, you know, maybe I'll actually work on this idea I've had. So if anyone is curious about my, my quest for the perfect chart note, I actually started a Facebook group a while ago. I think there's like seven members of it or something right now, but now I'm letting the Alan Mead experience people know about it. If you want to check it out, it's called the perfect chart note. And uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to it. Let me check on, it's on Facebook here. It's called the perfect, perfect, the perfect dental chart note. It is a, it's a private group. There are seven members right now, but you're welcome to, uh, and I, I made it earlier this year and I really haven't done anything on it, but I would love it if you guys would go check that out. If you have thoughts on how you do your chart notes efficiently and all that stuff, that's, I, I would like to make it so my chart notes are lacking. I know I can do better. And it's just a matter of an effort that I haven't put in, but I'm like, I got a little time. I could actually work on that. So I'm going to work on the podcast. I'm going to work on content creation as well too, with some time. So it'll be, it'll be good. Looking forward to having this time off. But so the first day has been relatively uneventful until about 20 minutes ago. I saw Sean, my, my 11 uh, year old looking very guilty. He was coming up the stairs. It was before, it was before bed. He's looking very guilty. And I'm thinking to myself, I know that face. And then he told me, well, it was, he was working on it. He's a ceiling fan fanatic and someone got him a ceiling fan. He's been literally like assembling the ceiling fan. Uh, that's what autism does to you. It makes you, you get all focused on a very specific thing. And right now his main thing is ceiling fans. And so he's literally an 11 year old who's assembling a ceiling fan, but he dropped the ceiling fan on my iPad pro. <laughs> I can't believe I'm laughing about that. Uh, he broke it bad. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's like a thousand dollar piece of equipment and I have it through Verizon. So I have, I have a, like an LTE contract with this stupid thing. I'm like, Oh, great. So, and it's old enough where they won't probably have a replacement one. So I'm gonna have to buy a new one. I, who knows how they're going to handle it. I'm just like, I can't believe this. So, uh, that happened like moments ago, just like, well, so this is, this is how we're starting our Christmas break off with, with this. I will. I have to admit, I uh, I kept my cool better than I I'm. I know we didn't do it on purpose, but I kept my cool way better than I normally would. But yeah, it's trashed. It's it's soul crushing. We've owned a lot of iPads over the years, and he's broken a lot of iPads. And he has his own, and it's got one of those OtterBox like gorilla cases on it, and he's dropped that bastard a bunch of times and hasn't broken it. I hate the cases. I don't like having a big case on mine, but uh, if he uses it and it doesn't have a case, it's my own damn fault. <laughs> so basically, yeah, good times. 
so that's uh, that's how we started out our Christmas break. But I offered up in the Facebook group that I would do an AMA or an Ask Me Anything episode. Um, I have some podcasts that I listen to that have been doing this lately, and we're going to try and do one for the Dental Hacks too. So I think that would be pretty fun. That was my plan for this episode. So, And you guys gave me a bunch of great questions to work with. So I think we'll kick that off in just a moment. Alan Mead is a dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before. I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello. My name is Alan Mead. I am a dentist, a podcaster, and an amateur Christmas gift wrapper. That's what we were doing last night. We, uh, The boys, uh, the church that we attend and the church that I grew up in has a program they call Night Owls. It's a great program. I might have talked about it before. Basically, for special needs kids... Uh, they basically have babysitting for a night once per month on a Friday night where they take the kids and their siblings. And my wife and I decided that it would be a good time to get some Christmas wrapping done. So we, uh, we dropped the kids off, got some takeout Chinese, and then we wrapped presents while the kids were, were at the church enjoying themselves. We got some stuff done, so that's cool. Usually we're, we're, you know, Christmas Eve freaking out trying to get everything wrapped and everything like that so we're we're like so far ahead of where we normally are we don't quite even know what to do we still have lots to do of course but that's what we did last night so uh <laughs> we have an AMA and I got a bunch of questions from people in the Alan Mead Experience Facebook group so if you're not in the Alan Mead Experience Facebook group you should join it. Go to Facebook and look up the Allen Meet Experience. There's a Facebook group. There are questions. I think you there's a password you have to give us. The password, I think I'm accepting the password Premier and Cosmodent. Um, so basically, that's the thought process. Get in. Uh, I'll, I'll let you in if you give me the password, and uh, you'll be amongst friends. So some of my friends in this group have given me some things to talk about, and that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with uh, Dr. Matthew Standridge who actually has a podcast of his own. is called the Ketodontist Podcast. He's sort of an inspiration to me. Um, my diet has gone to hell lately. The holidays will do that. Every year I say, I'm not going to, you know, when when people send, you know, food and candy and all that stuff to the office, I'm, I'm going to resist. I totally didn't this year. I was horrible. So uh, my best friend from dental school, Bart, who's been on the show before, he and I are going to start uh, a low-carb a low-carb low dieting after Christmas, the 26th. We're not even waiting till New Year's. We're going low-carb on the 26th. So uh, I need to kind of brush up on that. Maybe I'll listen to some of Matt's podcast. Um, he asks, how do you handle being so ridiculously good-looking? Do you feel it's a benefit or a curse? Well, Matt, uh, that's a good question. And I get that asked that a lot. Um, you know, beautiful people have better lives than ugly people. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's the way of the world is what it comes down to. And so, uh, my life is better than everyone else's because I'm, I'm gorgeous. Um, I can barely walk past a mirror without kind of almost fainting. So it's, it's tough. So, uh, thanks for the question, Matt. Appreciate that. Dr. Craig Harder, uh, says this may be too personal, but I'd love to hear more about how you and your wife work with your autistic child and how that has affected you, uh, your work and home life. It's a great question. So Sean is 11. He's the one who broke the iPad. 
<laughs> and okay, so my wife doesn't work. She doesn't have a job outside of the house. We do have a horse farm, and so she she runs that. But the other thing is is she runs the boys at school. Uh, that is that is practically a full time job in and of itself. It's crazy, but it's true. Um. Sean has, uh, Sean has a real, we're, they go to public school. The school is called Central Park Elementary. It's in Midland, Michigan. Um, Midland has a really, really good program for autistic kids and, and actually for all special needs kids, but autism in particular. Uh, Sean has a full-time para. It's really great. This year he got, he's had um, a lot of different paras over the years. This year he really, he has a pair that he really, he really, uh, clicked with and it's a he's a guy which is cool usually they're women but this is a guy and this isn't like a this isn't like a 22 year old you know kid he's a a grown-up he's probably 300 plus pounds he's a big guy just a huge guy and sean's a big kid and my wife can barely muscle him around anymore i still can if necessary his para can without too much trouble so it's it's been a good thing for him. He actually is um, kind of mainstreamed into uh, like a, a fifth grade classroom. So he goes to a fifth grade classroom. He has a para that helps him. He has uh, you know supports during the day if he's having struggles or whatever. He they they kind of can work with the special needs classroom. But he he's in a fifth grade classroom pretty much all day. It's really interesting because it goes through cycles at school where his behavior is excellent. And then he'll go for a week or two where it's, he's really struggling and screwing up. And, and honestly, he had this last week, the last week before Christmas, uh, has been horrible. <laughs> it's just been awful. He's really struggled and, and it stinks. You know, you kind of hate coming into break, um, having this sort of a struggle. But so the thing about Sean is that he doesn't, just like every autistic person who ever dealt with him, he doesn't see the world the way that the rest of us see the world. And I got to tell you, I haven't figured out how he sees the world. I, and, and I don't think Deb may have a better idea, but, but it's like, it continues to surprise me, um, how he sees things like in that affects the way that we treat him because it's not intuitive. Like autistic people in a lot of cases and, and every autistic person is different, but Sean, uh, like a lot of autistic people, um, abstraction is tough for him. He doesn't really understand abstraction without a little help. Um, for instance, Santa Claus is a weird abstraction. He's gotten to the point where he totally gets the Santa Claus thing. He's kind of afraid of Santa Claus. Like when we go to the Santa house in downtown Midland, he doesn't sit on Santa's lap, but he will tell him what he wants. And, uh, he loves the Christmas lights. He loves all the, all the, the Santa house stuff. He's not so into Santa and I don't, I'm not sure if he actually believes in Santa Claus or not. Uh, if he does, he might just play along for us. Cause, cause autistic people take things very literally in a lot of cases, or at least that's a generalization about autism is they take things very literally. So, you know, one thing that's interesting about it is that Sean was our first kiddo. So we've never known anything but that, right? Like, so, we, we've only known Sean as Sean. I mean, he was diagnosed with autism when he was three. Um, so like he's had his entire school, you know, experience has been, has been, you know, with autism. He's had supports, he's had 
And the goal has always been to, you know, get him into a mainstream classroom as much as possible. We've struggled with that over the years, but now he really is. He's essentially a normal kid. He has more friends at school than I ever did. Everyone knows him. It's really funny. It's, it's like they mainstream their, their special needs kids so well in school. And I think this might be a general thing now. I, I honestly think it's just better. I think to myself, what, where were those kids when I was in high school, junior high, you know, in elementary school? Were, were those kids just in a completely different school at that point? Or were they just in a completely different classroom? Sean is in with all the regular kids, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, it's hard. He, uh, he tends to be physical. He's, he's completely verbal. So a lot of autistic kids don't really speak or can speak in a limited way. He can he can talk a blue streak. He understands stuff really well. Sometimes, like I said, sometimes abstract things uh, he needs a little help with, but he's even getting better with that. Um, he's a whiz on any kind of a computer or a tablet, even though he breaks them quite often. But like he understands that stuff like crazy. I, I, I have a theory that that the increased incidence of autism is two things. First off, it's diagnosed more. So the diagnostic criteria have gotten wider, but also better. So when you hear more kids having autism, it isn't, it isn't because, uh, you know, like horrible things are happening to us. It's, I think our diagnostic criteria have changed, but I also, I sometimes wonder if it isn't sort of a, in some ways, kind of an evolutionary reaction to technology. I know that that's, that's really out there, but, I swear to God, he, he, there are some things that come to him so easily, uh, just kind of the, the analytical mind that he has. It's kind of crazy. I was going to take a picture of him before he we went to bed, before he broke my iPad. <laughs> uh, he was literally assembling a, a ceiling fan. Like his best friend's family got him a ceiling fan, um, for Christmas, which is not a normal gift for an 11 year old, <laughs> but it is what it is. And he, you know, as soon as they brought the box in, he could not control himself. He really wanted to get in and take it apart, put it together, all this. And that's what he did all afternoon and evening here. So I was going to take a picture of him and his little mad scientist thing. But the way that he broke my iPad was by dropping, accidentally dropping the fan on the, on the thing. So um, he's different, but it's all we've ever known. So in some ways, maybe we have it easier than, than other. Like I can only imagine a family that, had a, a, a diagnosis much later than we did. But to be honest, we kind of build our life around it too. We don't limit what we do that much because of his autism. Um, you know, 4th of July, we're going to have probably those like headphones to cover his ears in case it's too intense. A lot of times he doesn't even need that. Need that. A lot of things they talk about autistic kids are like the sensory stuff. It's just overwhelming to him. It really isn't. He actually, I mean... <laughs> He loves any flashing lights or movement or anything like that. He has so many disco balls and lights and stuff like that. He'll you'll go into his room, he'll have the lights off, and then he'll have, you know, twenty different disco balls going at once. It looks like a looks like a rave in his room. So I don't know if I believe all the stuff they, they talk about with with uh, sensory stuff. I don't think he loves loud noises, but to be honest, I think he actually would prefer crazy sensory stuff. He'll have three three things he'll have Christmas music on this little this little um carousel that he has going and then he'll have an ipad going with a youtube channel. he'll have like four or five different sources of noise at once so i'm not sure i believe that whole oh they get overwhelmed with too much sensory in input i think he likes to drown himself in sensory input actually so he's a trip uh i, I will say this we had uh, both my kids came to the dentist last week um it had been a little while 
I was cleaning their teeth because we just didn't, just like the the cobbler's kids have old shoes kind of thing. We just didn't work them in the schedule. So they came in. First time we'd taken bite wings on them, I was sure there was no chance that they were going to get bite wings on them. They got great bite wings on them. It was awesome. He was perfect. So I probably, if anything, underestimate what he can do. But he's he's cool. He's a joy. I I can't wait till he's old enough that my wife lets him take me, <laughs> take him places when I'm when I'm doing traveling because I think he he loves going to new places. He's a great traveler too. So um, that goes into the next question actually that someone gave me for this AMA. So uh, with that, I'll go to the next question. Doctor Mac Jones asks strategies for traveling for CE so often and maintaining a family. This is a touchy subject. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. That's why, I, like, some of my friends really take a lot of CE, and they travel way more than I do. I the podcast has given me a lot of chances to travel a lot more than I than I did on my own. Like, there was a time last year where I probably had almost uh, basically every weekend I had some kind of an offer to go somewhere, and typically it's not someplace I could drive to. Like, it was something I, I I'd have to go to. We've been to Spear, God, three or four times over the last couple of years um, in Arizona. And, and, you know, Voice of Dentistry is Arizona. A lot of Arizona, a lot of uh, with with BioClear uh, out to Seattle, Tacoma area multiple times. So, I, I mean, yeah, I do more traveling now with the podcast than I probably did before. And it drives my wife bananas. We have a horse farm. We have two active boys with lots of stuff going on. And so I get it. You know, it's one of these things where, it's a hardship to be away. So one thing she tries to travel for horse stuff often, you know, she, we, uh, she didn't feel like she gets enough time for sure, but, um, you know, she has, she has travel stuff. We don't travel together that much because what happens is we each have our own thing. And instead of like having someone babysit the boys, it's like, one of us stays, one of us goes. We do, you know, we do family stuff together a lot. We'll travel as a family, but typically that's car trips. You know, we we did go to Rhode Island last summer. Um, that'd be 2018, so so a few months ago. Uh, that was great. It was awesome. Um, they fly. They are such good travelers. So I just, we just need to make an effort. When you have a horse farm, traveling is like a luxury because finding someone to take care of, you know, 12 to 15 horses and all and goats and animals and all this stuff, you're kind of tied down to it for, for travel. So almost someone has to be there all the time, uh, you know, between Deb and I. So travel is a struggle. There's no two ways about it. I keep thinking to myself, yeah, maybe when the kids get older, but uh, you can't really travel with, with 15 horses and a dog and a miniature donkey and four goats and now a snake. Don't tell Jacob because that's a Christmas present, but now a snake. So we, <laughs> it is, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to travel that much. Um, it's a little better now. I'm trying to be better about having stuff on the calendar instead of springing it on her, you know, two weeks in advance. Um, she forgets how much time she takes to, to go places that, uh, and she doesn't appreciate it when I mention that. Um, it's better to talk about it well in advance rather than trying to remind her that, oh, well, you left a lot of times too because I've never won that argument once in my entire life. So um, it's touchy. It's still touchy. And so I try really hard to make sure that she knows in advance when I'm doing it. And and uh, she does great, though. She really does. She does fantastic. She She handles it well. But, I mean, I like traveling, 
but then like I'm usually ready to be home after traveling for a while. The last time we earlier this month in December, I was gone for six days to Arizona. It was awesome. We had a great time. I learned a ton. Five days of class at Spear, two different courses. At Spear. I was whipped. I mean, it was a ton of information. It was awesome. Um, I was ready to come home though. You know, it's it's great. It was great seeing Jason. It was great working with all the people at Spear, meeting all these people, these freaking dental heroes, and having a chance to actually speak with them, talk to them like one on one. It was unbelievable. Like a dream come true. Um, I was still whipped and ready to come home. So that doesn't ever seem to change. <laughs> like. Um, I, I would love to be able to do more travel that I could drive to. In other words, more stuff in Michigan, uh, even Chicago. I drive to Chicago for the midwinter. It's a five hour drive, but I don't mind doing that. And that when you're driving, it just feels like you have a little bit more control over your own schedule. So, uh, we manage it's, it's oftentimes ugly. I complain about it quite often. I, some of my friends do a ton more CE than I do a ton more traveling. And I, I tend to think that maybe their wife doesn't like them being around that much because they're like, oh yeah, I can go anytime. No big deal. I'm like, man, I don't know how you do that. Cause Deb and I both take a very active part in taking care of the kids. And geez, when you got a farm like this, it's, you know, a couple hours of work every day on that deal. So it keeps us pretty busy. Dr. Darren Brower, uh, asked a really good question. It's kind of a long one. I found myself feeling drained with dentistry. I've only been out five years. I still have a mountain of debt. I consume probably an unhealthy amount of podcasts, free content, and paid CE through the DSN, which is the Dental Success Network, amongst other CE providers. I sometimes feel like there's too much going on and so much that I could be, should be, or and or want to be doing better that I'm often feeling left too mediocre. What are the strategies, life practices you do or have observed others doing that will keep help keep me centered? It's a great question. Everyone runs into this. And the trick is, is everyone wants you to think they don't run into this. <laughs> like, I swear to God, social media is there just to make everyone think you're doing better than you really are. A couple things. First off, remember that feelings aren't real and they will pass. Uh, and you're probably doing better than you're feeling. That's like a big recovery thing. But because people like me, I my feelings are always raw and right on the edge of things, right? So when you can take a step back and go, you know, honestly, I'm doing better than I feel like I'm doing. Uh, that is almost always true because your feelings are sort of uh, a sort of a snapshot of any given moment. If you wait long enough that your feelings change, they always do. The other thing that I found. Um, okay. So on the dental hacks nation and on Facebook groups, I hear about people who have teams, you know, staff, people that work for them that are a nightmare. Like, I will run into threads on the Dental Hacks Nation talking about some team members that are like super entitled and things. They, they act in a way that I've never seen anyone act before. I've never worked with anyone like that. And I'm wondering, like, how can that possibly be? And I'm wondering if the culture of my office doesn't allow for that. When I got out of dental school, my dad was, uh, when my dad was practicing, and that's, that's who I started working for, he ran four chairs, balls to the wall he would have a couple ortho cases going a lot of times. He would, he always had a couple patients in the chair at once and he was jumping back and forth. He was that guy. He was the roller skate dentist. He was very good at it. Uh, ADHD uh, is good for that kind of thing. Like he didn't want to sit still and he never took a break. So when I got there, I thought that's what dentists were supposed to do. Cause you're, you see, you see what 
you know, your mentors do when you do that. So when I got my own practice, um, after a year working for him, that's what I did. So I would run two chairs, just, just balls to the wall. And it was, I mean, I was productive, more productive maybe than I am now, but, um, that's when I kind of ran into trouble with, with, <laughs> with drugs and alcohol. I mean, like it wasn't the only reason, but, and when I got out of treatment, I, I realized I just don't want to, I want to do that. Um, I, like I said, I've told, said many times, I'm the least ambitious dentist that anyone knows. I'm, I don't want to work that hard. I don't, I don't want to, that kind of that when I'm behind, I'm stressed out. And when I'm stressed out, I, I, I'm not as good to be around and I definitely don't do as good a work and all this. So basically I don't, I don't run that hard. Um, and I mean, I have the luxury of kind of being able to do that because a I've hit rock bottom. And I mean, like I'm lucky, I lucky to have a license with what I was doing. It's almost 17 years ago, but still, I mean, and I've shared that a lot. One of the things I learned when I was in treatment was gratitude. And what's amazing is it sounds so cheesy to say it, but when you can have gratitude and, and like, it's easy to have gratitude when everything's going great and you know, it's all roses and rainbows and unicorns and all that stuff. Gratitude's not so hard to dig for. When you're having a terrible day, that's when you have to take a deep breath and decide that there are some things you're grateful for. That's that's a lot tougher. Um, so I still I still believe in the gratitude list. I don't do it every day, but I do it a lot of days. And the trick about the gratitude list is don't repeat stuff. That's not fair. You have to come up with something new. Like you can always say, I'm grateful for my kids. And I'm like, yeah, but everyone's grateful for their kids all the time, right? How about being grateful for the fact that you can breathe through your nose? You know, I'm kind of stuffed up right now. And it's making me grateful for most of the time when I'm not, you know, that sort of thing. So anyhow, I've, the very best thing you can do is, is be grateful for what you have. And, um, dentists have it really good, even though it doesn't always feel like we do the mountain of debt thing. I'm telling you, I'm never going to be okay with the the kind of debt that dental students come out with. I think that's not right, but I also think that's a profession wide problem. I don't think that's anything that, uh, I've said this a thousand times on a podcast. Like I got out of dental school and thought I had a lot of debt. I didn't compared to what a lot of younger people do. Um, I bought a cheap practice. I paid it off quickly. I, I have an aversion to debt that is that borders on silly because a lot of people have made a lot of lot better things in their practice because they were okay with debt. Well, um, so maybe I come from more of a scarcity than an abundance mindset. But on the other hand, I love not having debt. I just paid off. <laughs> my accountant, I had to ask him because I never have money left over at the end of the year. I never have anything that I, you know, basically just to pay the bills and stuff. So I, this year was pretty good. We did all right. And, and, um, and I had to ask him where the right place to put that money was, you know, like, should I be, you know, should I be paying my taxes in advance? Should I be, he, by the way, no, <laughs> don't ever pay your taxes in advance. He, he would have, he would have literally come to my office and slapped me, I think. Um, I had some debt. I had a line of credit that I've been carrying for a while. He said, pay it off on that, man. I mean, just, and tax wise, that was an okay. I just wanted to know what the right way to, you know, if I had extra money, what, what I should be doing with it. You know, that doesn't happen very often. And he's like, that's never happened for you. <laughs> he, he was right in my face about it. But, um, so I tend to be the guy who I'm, I've paid off a bunch of debt and it feels pretty good. Even though once you hit the button on paying that stuff off, you're like, well, it doesn't feel any different now than it did. Like I could have done some really cool things with that money and I didn't. And and my son just broke my iPad. I'd like to buy another one of those, you know, <laughs> just in any case, I, uh, 
I like paying off debt. feels pretty good. Uh, I think you got to be careful about that. Like, just because you're a dentist doesn't mean you're entitled to jack. No one's entitled to anything in this world, just so you understand. Uh, I think we were sold a bill of goods in dental school that we would be wealthy with very little effort. That's not the case, clearly. But you're doing better than you think you are. Um, shoot, I met you at Voice of Dentistry last year. I think you're doing great. Man, you're in with Mark Costas. Jeez, you can't do any better than that. The dude, ask him. He's got some. He's got some ideas on this, too. So... Uh, with that, I'm going to mention Voice of Dentistry. Go to the website, voicesofdentistry.com. The room block is open till uh, the 31st. I think there's a couple rooms left. Uh, and they may, honestly, depending on how many people are looking for a room, they may extend that. But uh, to be safe, if you are going to go, you should first off, you should sign up. It would be really good to know who's really going to be there. Just like last year, we came down to a month in advance and we seemed like, man, we don't have that many people signed up. And then we had... A lot of people sign up at the last second. So, but what's tough as a meeting planner is you don't, the sponsors all want to know how many people are going to be there. And we don't have a good number because everyone waits till the last second to sign up. So uh, if you love us and you know you're going to go, just go and sign up. Voiceofdentistry.com. Um, just going to be some amazing things there this year. Going to be some nutty things this year. We're going to have on the Friday, Friday night party is going to be similar to last year. So we'll have live podcasting. Uh, all over the place while the party's going on. But in the main in the main stage, too, we're going to do karaoke because Jason is a karaoke freak, apparently. So we're going to, the dental hacks drag the karaoke thing into into the, the limelight. So that's going to be part of the deal. And I know that there's some people coming that can sing. So it's going to be fun as hell to do that. But there will still be lots of podcasting as well. You can. I want you guys, if you're going, jump on some podcasts. Talk about things you know about and things you want to know about and, and people talk to people that you like. There will be a lot of podcasters there and they want to make good content. It's a great place to do it. Voicesofdentistry.com. Uh, I don't mind saying that this meeting literally jumped from my imagination into reality over a couple of years. This is essentially my idea because I'm like, I love this whole podcasting thing. How cool would it be if we could all get together? And that's, and by all of us, I mean, yeah, I like being around other podcasters, but if you're not a podcaster and listen to podcasts, this meeting is for you. Darren can tell you we had, we had a good time. It was a great meeting, like in so many contacts, so much networking. You meet all these people that you know from Facebook groups in person. It's very much like the the original dental town uh, townie meetings were like, where you would just get to meet these people that you spend a lot of time with online. It's a very cool place. So again, voicedentistry.com. I would love every one of you listening to this to sign up and come see me. I'm going to I'm gonna be there the whole time. Uh, I'm always a little, te- not tense, that's not the right word, but busy, that's for sure, because I'm all over the place. <laughs> it's sort of, we have four hosts, uh, Jason and I and Dr. Mark Costas and Dr. Justin Moody of the Dentist Implants and Worms podcast. And of course, Mark does the Dentalpreneur podcast. Um, those are the hosts, but then we have just, we have like 30 plus other dental podcasts that are going to be there and an amazing speaker lineup. You can go check it out at, at uh, voicedentistry.com. I would love to see you guys there. So uh, sign up. Let's do this. Dr. Paul Goodman, Dr. Nacho himself, asks, will a really good dental practice ever be transferred slash sold to a single dentist again, or will DSOs purchase every top-level practice over the next over the next 10 years? Well, I know that's that's your current fascination on the Dental Nachos page. I saw that. And I have to tell you, I tend to agree with you. I think I think we're gonna see a lot of uh a lot of DSOs kind of buying up practices. And and 
I don't know that that's a horrible thing. Uh, I'm a terrible manager of my business. I, I mean, I, I had a chance to interview um, Kira Dent, uh, who is a practice management um, she coach. You know, she does consulting. She works with Dr. Mark Costas too. She's freaking brilliant, and she was great. If she came into my practice and looked at my practice, she would she would never stop throwing up at how inefficient and terrible I am as a manager. I'm horrible. I'm I'm not very interested in the business aspect. It it pays me enough to make it worthwhile, and I love going there because I love working with my team. We've got a goofy, fun team, and we have a great time. Patients seem to keep coming back. Everyone's like, oh, what what more would you want? Well, probably I should be producing a lot more. <laughs> like Like with the amount of people that work for me, I should be doing better and more, you know, and, and it's okay. I'm all right with it. I didn't, luckily I'm not hugely in debt for it, but what happens with this DSO is that they're just managed better. I mean, they're managed from a business standpoint, not from an emotion standpoint. Like Al wants to have a nice place to work. Well, I do, but that's, you know, DSO doesn't really care if it's a nice place to work. I, I suspect that, that some DSOs actually do, but that's not, that's not how they base all their decisions like me, <laughs> like me. Um, but I also know that if they're overpaying for practices and people want to sell their practices for more than, you know, you might be right. I, I do think that it depends on the region. I think it's really funny when, when Saginaw has like 70,000 people, maybe 60,000 now in, in the surrounding areas, the Saginaw Midland Bay city has close to a million people. I think, I think including all the, the out county stuff. I don't think of, I don't think of, that's my Verners, my diet Verners. You can hear that fizzing in the background. I'm trying to wet my whistle here. I don't think of it as a small rural area, but I think a lot of people think of, of you know, north of Flint as being pretty rural. And I will say this, you know, I, I live in a place where Yelp has not taken over. Yelp means nothing. Google reviews mean everything, but Yelp just doesn't mean anything. So we're not a, we're not a big city kind of thing. I tend to think these DSO things, I, it feels like to me, I have literally no evidence to back this up, but it feels like DSOs are more of a bigger city thing. I don't feel like, I don't feel like they're infiltrating where I am yet, which is not to say that they're not here. We have an Aspen in multiple towns around us and stuff like that. So it's not like they're not here. And maybe there are practices that have been bought by DSOs that just have not rebranded. And so I don't know. And I do think that's how DSOs are going to be. I don't. I don't think they're going to wave a big flag, you know, letting the whole world know that you know a corporation owns this practice or whatever. Um, but I do think a lot of dental practices are going to be owned by a management company. <sighs> if they management companies are not going to be able to blow off the patient experience for the long haul. If the patient experience in any office, whether it's owned by an individual dentist or a DSO, if the patient experience is not good, it will not be a long-term. It will not be a long-term sustainable thing. Now, my guess is is that there will be DSOs that are able to make the patient experience as good or better than what regular, you know, dentist-owned practices are doing right now. They know this, um, so that's what's going to happen. I'm convinced that that's what's going to happen. So, when dentists think of quote unquote corporate dentistry and how evil it is and how they're not patient centered. I'm like, you can damn well be sure that if, if the patient experience is what is necessary, they're going to make sure the patient experience is excellent. So, um, it is, it's a good, it's an interesting question because what happens, a good dental practice for sale 
the DSOs can always throw around the money better than an individual dentist can. And that is going to be a, that's going to be a struggle. And the other thing is, is that, you know, if someone wants, buying a practice is a great way to get into dental practice. Startups are harder. There might be some great things about startups, but man, the cash flow is a struggle when you're doing a startup. If you can buy a great practice, that's awesome. But if, if, if the DSO is always willing to overpay for it and no dentists really want to do that, uh, individuals, that is, that's a, it's a good point, Paul. I'll give you that. I'm not sure where it's going to come out, but I, I do think that patients are not going to allow the patient experience in any, any practice to not be good. That's, that's how I, that's, I'm pretty sure that it's about the only thing I'm sure of, but I'm pretty sure of that. All right. Dr. Flash Davies, my friend, man, Flash and I've gone to multiple meetings together. Uh, DS World in Vegas a couple years ago, and actually, and Craig Harder was there too. We we had dinner and breakfast. There was it was really these are guys that have been listening to the podcast and been friends of mine through the podcast like since the beginning. So, uh, hey Flash, what's happening? How do you not lose your? Shit? You are a dentist, boss, husband, father, podcaster, dental celebrity, <laughs> etc. Um, total respect, but balancing that has to be rough. Most of us struggle with just dentistry, spouse, and parenting alone. I don't, uh, you'd be shocked. Um, okay. So I don't watch TV. That's one thing that's funny. We actually, it's really funny. I was going to watch a Lions game like a month ago and my cable box doesn't work. And I don't know when it stopped working because we don't watch TV at all. The only thing I ever watched was football games on occasion. And so I technically have cable, but we don't watch it. Now that is not to say that we don't consume a bunch of stuff. My wife is a Netflix freak. My kids watch just like just like your kids. Like, trust me, your kids do this. They watch YouTube more than they watch TV. So we don't really need cable. But what I'm going to tell you is that I don't really consume TV shows and stuff, even on Netflix, very much. So my time after the kids go to bed or my free time is spent on this kind of content creation typically. And I spend an inordinate amount of time on social media, Facebook. God, I'm even back on Dentaltown a little bit lately. Just Just burning time with... It's tough because you can learn some really good stuff on Facebook. You can learn some clinical stuff. You can learn management stuff, listening to podcasts, all that stuff. But it's also a huge time suck. And I am guilty of letting it be a time suck. I mean, today, it's been a huge time suck all day. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Glad I did this instead of just, you know, going for another hour and a half farting around on Facebook. This was much better. But, um,. I'm not sure I do any of the dentist, boss, husband, father things, all that. I think I do okay. And and honestly, we get up pretty early around here because we got to take care of horses and stuff like that. We share responsibilities. The kids, the kids are not. Our routine here is really good. It's it's not that hard. Uh, the podcasting thing has fit into my schedule over the last four years. You know, we've just I just kind of made it work. Um, and I like doing it. I will say that like moving this the the quote unquote studio upstairs has been nice because it's it's easier to do. Uh, just, it's more fun to do that. I've got kind of a, a cool setup and, uh, so it's fun. It's a hobby. It's a hobby and it's a hobby that hasn't, the shine hasn't really worn off on it. So I'm doing okay with that part of it. Dental celebrity. I have to laugh. Um, I, I am, uh, I am known because of the podcast and, and I'm super grateful for that. Um, when I was at Spear and I actually got to talk to these people, these, these, these huge people. I like actually talked with Frank Spear for a while. It was after they lectured. He had a glass of wine. They were all at the bottom of this gigantic, unbelievable 
cool auditorium at Spear. Um, <laughs> that's a great story. So I'm talking to a friend of mine, actually from Saginaw. She's a dentist in Saginaw. And we we both we knew that we were both going to be at the the Warren Dentition course. And I was talking with her about it, and we're like, man, you know, it's crazy. We don't have a Spear Study Club in Saginaw. We should definitely do that. So we were talking, and Jeff Rouse, like the Jeff Rouse, the guy who just spent you know hours on stage explaining you know where worn dentition and airway issues come together and like he's a dental celebrity as far as i'm concerned he spent way more time with us than he ever had to i really like him a lot and and uh, he came and grabbed me he he apologized to the person my my friend from saginaw uh and said oh i gotta i gotta grab him for a second and i felt <laughs> he takes me down to meet frank and greg frank spear and greg kinzer like person because i hadn't i hadn't actually like shaken their hand yet you know one of those things and uh i i mean i can't even believe that like how did that happen so i mean all of this stuff all the fact that you people will download our stuff and listen to it i'm incredibly grateful for and i still to this moment i'm like man if you looked over my shoulder in the operatory you wouldn't say wow this guy really it's, I think it's honest to God, just we decided to start recording ourselves talking at the right time, and put it out on the internet. And it's really been a big deal for me. But I, to this moment, I, I always, I'm, I'm always sort of border on creeped out by the fact that, that people think I'm something more than just a guy who, you know, goes to work four days a week, you know, blows my mind. Um, I know that, uh, I'm sure people think that there's false humility there, but I <laughs> You should see that I, I go out at 6.30 in the morning and shovel horse poop every morning, man. It's the same. I don't have the servants for that yet. I'm still working on that part of it. So the balance is tough. And I think everyone who's a parent uh, and runs a business knows that the balancing is sometimes unmanageable. My wife is very flexible with me. On like She lets me go up and talk on the microphone all the time. She doesn't really care. She's all right with it. You know, I, I We work it around our life and super grateful for all that. Um, I'm not sure I do balance it that well, to tell you the truth. Uh, I love this podcast, and I haven't done enough of it. So, like, because I just haven't been able to, I haven't made the time for it. Similar, you'll notice on the Dental Hacks website, we were putting out some just killer blog content, and I got burned out. I just, it was more than I could do for the moment. I want to get back to that too, because there's some really great stuff there. But it's almost like I, I mean, I am not, um, I'm not protected from biting off too much. <laughs> it, it happens, has happened, and will probably continue to happen. And that is, the balancing is really tough. Jason and I, literally, when we talk uh, off air, we constantly have ideas that would be awesome to execute. But we just don't do it because there's just, there's so many ideas we have that would take time that we just don't, we don't or can't or won't put into it. So, yeah, I don't, I'm glad you think it looks like I'm balancing on <laughs> On my end, I'm not so sure I think that I am all that well, but appreciate that anyhow. And uh, finally, Dr. Zach, Zachary Miners, another podcaster. If you guys have not listened to Dope Lunch with Zach and Dr. Sean Vandeviver, you're missing out. Really good content, but also funny. I just I just love I love how they do it. Dope Lunch stands for Dentist uh, on the Phone Eating Lunch. Um, so basically, they record at lunchtime. It's a brilliant concept. It really is. It's much like you know, comedians in cars getting coffee, but it's, it's dentists, uh, eating lunch and they name their episodes after what's in their lunch. And Zach's wife is quite a cook. So it's very cool. Zach asks, how do you get your patients to respect the bite on all your restorations? Well, Zach, I, uh, I have long 
intense conversations with my patients about that. And I actually tell them, now that you have a restoration from mead, you're no longer allowed to touch your teeth together. Um, a lot of times they don't realize getting into it that that's what's going to happen. But I make sure they understand that uh, they're they're walking around with an actual piece of art that I've created. And uh, they need to respect that. So I do let them know that. It's uh, about... about Mm, solid 55% of my appointments are me talking to my patients about how they need to respect, uh, respect the bite on my restorations. So, uh, that's a very good question. And, uh, all right, Zach gets one more question. Uh, he says, you've always talked about how an idea in an ideal world, you'd reboot your practice. Let's pretend the scenario existed that you could, what would that practice look like? Well, okay. First, um, when you go to Spear and you take facially generated treatment planning, you realize that you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> and what's great about Spear is that if you, if you can be open-minded about it and you can take what you need and leave the, take what you need and leave the rest, um, you can, you can get something out of all of it. But the reality is, is that we all kind of knew how to do these things from dental school to some extent. I'm not going to say that they, they taught us how to treat and plan like they do at Spear. But there are some fundamentals in dental school that most of us kind of let go pretty early on because it was not convenient. We didn't really know. Like they talked about a lot in dental school. They didn't really show us how to do it very well. Spear really does show you how to do it very well. And frankly... The take-home message of like every single thing I saw from Spear the whole time I was there earlier this month was um, take pictures. And I bought a new camera because the cameras that they showed us how to take pictures with, uh, like in the hands-on, were really nice. They were not the nicest camera in the world, but their setups were oh, so fast and easy. They're, and they're great. And one of my New Year's resolutions is going to be to really work with my team on on photography. I have no regrets on getting the new camera. I feel inadequate because I had all these big plans and it just, I, you know, as soon as I got home, it's still, it's still my practice and I still have to do it. So in a perfect world, I would be able to take the stuff that I've learned and I would be able to take the good habits that I know are good and leave the old habits behind. First off, the practice would be close to home which is tough because I live out in the country in Midland. I actually live west of Midland, Michigan, which is, it's like 15 minutes for me to drive just to get into the main town of Midland, Michigan. And then Saginaw is another 20 minutes beyond that, 25 minutes. So, I mean, I, it's, I drive a long way just to get into town. So if I were to move my practice or start a practice in Midland closer to here, I still would have a long drive unless I decided I was perfectly okay with having a practice out in the sticks in Midland. And honestly, um, the the clientele that would be west of town is probably not, uh, I think there's a lot of people that don't go to the dentist there. A lot of people that don't have the, the money to go to the dentist there. So it's not a good place to build a, build a practice unless you think you can, unless you think you're special enough that you could draw people in. Sometimes I think I am, sometimes I don't, I don't know. But uh, even if I were to build a practice in the town of Midland, it would be, you know, I have a 40 minute commute now. It's still going to be at least 15 minutes. So it's not like I'm ever going to get a short commute. You hear 
some of the people that have been on the show, they got to commute that, you know, it's two minutes or they can, or they walk to work or whatever. Super jealous of that. So that would be a nice thing. Um, it would be small. It would be really small. Ideal practice for me would be less employees than I have now. I have five employees and two of them are part-time. I have a small practice now and I would like a smaller practice. Um, I would like a practice where I could spend more time creating more content, doing podcasting, and then doing closer to ideal dentistry, uh, maybe for a couple, two and a half days a week and spend another two and a half days like creating different podcasts. I will tell you, in my mind, I love doing the dental hacks. I love doing this, but I also have ideas where I would be producing stuff that other people made because there's a lot of really talented people out there that I have some ideas for, maybe someday. But uh, I would have, I'd have microscopes in all the rooms like I do now. I would use them better than I do right now. Um, and I would just, honestly, I would, I would have, insurance would be not a thing. Not to say that I would, I would, uh, you know, I would love to have a, a practice full of people where insurance just wasn't their concern. Not that I, not that I want everyone to be so wealthy they can afford all the treatment I might pitch to them, but that they weren't worried about getting all of their, the benefit out of their insurance. And because here's the thing, insurance allows people to get care that they might not have gotten. But the other thing is, is everyone lets the insurance, the amount of insurance they have limit the amount of treatment they're going to take because they think that that number, whatever that number is of their, their maximum insurance, that that has something to do with the, the, you know, the need that they have. I mean, I got a ton of patients in my practice where they have like no dental need. Whatever insurance they have is going to cover that and more preventive-wise. And I love working on those patients. But there's a ton of people that have need that has nothing to do with what their what their benefit coverage is, you know. But but they don't see it that way. They figure if they have a benefit, then they shouldn't need anything more than what their benefit would cover. And I think it's because people have medical insurance, and that's how it works. Anyhow. I would just love to have a, a practice full of people that bought into like a membership plan like we have and they just didn't worry about insurance. And that's not to say that they just paid me for everything. I, but, but I mean, we didn't have to cater to an insurance practice. That would be fantastic. I would love it if it were close. I would love it if it were close to where I live. I would love it if it were, um, you know, I'd love to almost have like a problem solving practice where patients just come in. I'm able to talk with them a lot. I even have this practice. Like I have, I have a crazy drawing for this practice in my head. It would be a, um, it would be long and narrow because it would have very few operatories and the operatories it's, I mean, I, I haven't ever really been able to draw it out because I'm not very good at that stuff, but I know how it would be. And it would involve a lot of big monitors where I could show them their teeth and I could explain what I'm talking about, take a lot of time. And, and I would have, if I had a hygienist, it would be a hygienist that was comfortable using a microscope totally on board with the way that I like to run things and that we would be sort of a tag team where we work really together. Shoot. It looks like in Michigan, they're going to have a dental therapist bill. It's, it's about to be signed by the governor. And I mean, I could almost see you, the opposite of what dental therapists were brought on for, which is to, to provide treatment for poor people. Essentially. I, I would love to have, if I'm going to work with someone like that, it would be someone who has the same kind of philosophy that I do a small group of people that, that, that work the same way. So it's not like we'd be doing all, you know, full mouth rehab or anything like that. It would be more just that we all are pointed in the right direction and we're all kind of trying to do the same thing and appreciate each other for what we do right now. I have a great team. 
uh, I'm y'all a lot to be jealous of my team. We have a fantastic team. We all get along really well. We all we all like working together. And and I'll tell you, that makes uh, makes things a lot better. <laughs> makes things a whole lot better. So listen, I've been going for a really long time. This is longer than most Alan Mead Experience episodes. Uh, I appreciate you hanging in there. If you have any questions or comments, you can email me at Alan A L A N at MeadFamilyDental.com, or you can catch us. Uh, on the Dental Hacks Nation or the Alan Mead Experience Facebook page. Um, again, the password would be Premier or Cosminet. We'll get you in if you're not in there already. Thank you so much for listening and putting up with me. And uh, if I didn't answer your questions well enough, just let me know. And we will catch you next time we do this. Oh, also, hey, give me some ideas of who I should be talking to. I've got people in mind. I just got to get them lined up, but uh, I know that this was an interview show at first. It's been mostly me lately. I'm happy to bring people on. Happy to bring people on that are members of the Alameda Experience. I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't have to be talking to Gordon Christensen all the time. I, I, I like talking to regular people too because they have great stories too. So again, thank you guys so much for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next time. 